Welcome to Fright School. One man's willing descent into the dark abyss that lives at the heart of the American horror film. Over the next few weeks, I, Joshua Napier, am going to play horror Sherpa to Joe Farron's journey to the mountains of madness. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Yes. Happy New Queer. Oh, happy New Queer. <laughs> happy New Queer. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, Joe, I've missed you. I haven't seen you in so long. I've missed you too, Joshua. It's been, uh, man, like two or three weeks since we recorded Scary Christmas. Yes, and I have had yeah. the most pleasant of dreams. I've <laughs> had no trouble sleeping. <laughs> It's been uh, it's been unsettling. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, it's been great, but I it's been great to sleep. Um I'm ready to be disturbed again, so I can't wait. Yay, disturbing. Disturb. Uh, so you have a good uh, holiday though otherwise? See I did. family? I saw my family. My family so Did you have a good holiday or did you see family? <laughs> <laughs> um I had both. I had a good holiday. I saw family. I was in charge of games for our Christmas, um, mm-hmm. which you know, you know me, it's just it's a big production and we did like I had like props and there were prizes and it oh. was it was a whole big it was a whole big to do. I was like, Are you guys ready for this? I don't know if you thought you were gonna relax because we're playing right. games. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, we just had oh, right yeah, before. Okay, I totally am. <laughs> right. We uh had a um uh, yeah. Oh gosh, what's her name? Alaska Thunderfuck. Alaska Thunderfuck. Singing along right before we were sound checking. From uh, the planet Glamtron. Right, from the planet. Uh, your makeup is terrible. <laughs> Anyways, you, so, okay, so you played games. What kind of games did you play? Um, the Funny and, games? Uh, well, no. Yes. Peter and Paul came. Right. <laughs> uh, there was some golf clubs. Um, <laughs> then they looked right in the camera. Right. Cool. See, that's all I know about that. That's great. <laughs> um, it's a pretty sick movie. We'll watch it. Yeah, yes, we'll, we'll watch it. We have to work up to it. Yeah, we'll watch the original, right? Yes, because there's a English, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. an American version. Yeah, yeah, it was remade. Same actors though, right? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. um, although I think actually one of them may have been the same. Like one of the killers is the same, or something. Yeah, I, I, I have to look. Uh, but continue on. So on w- the remaining. NBC show Minute to Win It. Um, you have to do these like difficult challenges with household objects in under a minute. And um, I had a friend who shout out to Scotty Lee. Whoop. I had a friend. Uh, I don't who, know who that is, but I'll shout yeah, out. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Um, I had a friend who had like he he put together like the holiday version of those games and like had all of the stuff already in like a tub so i just borrowed it from him read up on the games and basically was like a facilitator of it it was fun there was a um there was an ugly christmas sweater fashion show that my dad won um you know, you have to hear the category is ugly Christmas sweater realness. The category is yes, the realness. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. When they walked down the runway, I did play supermodel. Of course you did. Of course, and like he's like, oh wow, I feel I feel glamorous. I'm like, um, if, if we ever do that, you have to play. I bring the beat because that's my favorite. <laughs> I bring the beat. 
I love that song. See, my favorite, my favorite is um, "Looking Good, Feeling Gorgeous." Oh. <laughs> How do I look? I look good. How do I feel? I feel good. How do I look? <laughs> I look good. Looking good and feeling gorgeous. Wow, nice. we're wow, we're not even we're so off we're track. Not even five minutes in already. All right. Anyways, um, yeah, and it was great. And New Year's was also good. Um, yeah. It was very chill. I realized that I, as much as I like, have grand ambitions to like do things on New Year's. I don't yeah. like doing things on New Year's. Yeah, me either. It's for amateurs. Yeah, it's for amateurs. Amateurs. Stunt shows and shenanigans. Yes, I was asleep at like ten, probably. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, I don't do anything. You know, it's like. It's Thursday. I'm having a drink, you yes. know, right now. Like, yes. I don't need to pay $100 to be at the same old bar that you can go to any time of the week, seeing the same old motherfuckers being mm-hmm. wasted, but even more wasted, and also filled with a bunch of people who usually don't go out because yeah. they just turn 21, and they're mm-hmm. fucking messes. Yeah. And they're killing everybody in their cars and throwing up on people. And guns are going <laughs> off in the air. Right. I mean, I saw the first five minutes of The Mexican. I know what happens. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, speaking of that, so uh, the place where I host trivia, there's a regular guy who comes in, and mm-hmm. he literally... He comes in, he orders a diet soda and water, and then he gets, like, food from the food vendor. And that's all he has. That's all he he, yeah. he gets. He's been coming since, like, for months now. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, he I was like, oh, how was your New Year's? He's like, oh, it was great. I blacked out. And I'm like, blacked out? Blacked out from diet soda? Like, what? <laughs> He's like, oh, no, I, I rarely drink, but, last, but I blacked out. I'm like, oh, well, wow, well, anybody can do it. He's coming to a bar for trivia, and he just eats off the food truck and has diet soda and water. Yeah. He's murdering people. <laughs> that guy's car is filled with parts, with with, with sawed-off parts. Have you seen Death Proof? He's like that guy. <laughs> oh, like Kurt he's Russell? He's like a teetotaler. Yeah, and then he's going out and causing wrecks. <laughs> I'm on to him. I know I'm on to that guy. I'm okay. Gonna come. I'm going to come now, and I'm going to watch him. Oh, my gosh. You know, in six months from now, if you're proven right, we'll put it in my fear of murder. Maybe that'll get their attention. <laughs> yes! Oh my gosh. So today, right, I'm reading Facebook news, <laughs> yes. which can be dangerous. Yeah. But so you remember the my favorite murder I was ta- telling you about with my personal story about like the Fox Run apartments and yes. the woman, woman getting murdered there years ago? Uh-huh. Like today or yesterday, Sunday, actually, Sunday, another in the same apartment complex, a woman's boyfriend murdered her. What? Yeah. And then like hung out with her body for hours, talking to her apparently. Right? Oh my Crazy. god! That's same. They awful. had like pictures of the place, and I had like these like flashbacks. I'm like, oh, oh my god! I remember living there. Well, see, now you really have to email them. I am going to you now. To email now them. that there's two, I'm like, two. something's up. I gotta, I gotta tell them. You know what? Maybe <sighs> they, maybe those people heard this and they were like, oh, there needs to be another one. So. Maybe. <sighs> well, oh, by the way, what's Joshua drinking tonight? Oh. <laughs> Uh, it's just crack and rum and coke. Ooh, crack and rum and coke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, crack it or is it kraken? Is it the kraken? The kraken. The kraken. The crack. Release the kraken. Release, <laughs> release the kraken. I don't know. Uh, no, it's their rum, uh, which I'm continuing to promote because they're awesome glasses. Although I'm not having it, I forgot. I should have put it in the glass. I know. Again. It's your Cthulhu-looking glass. Ah, uh, damn. Um, but yeah, it has this plastic straw in it. Yes, because it's fun. Because fancy. Yeah, because fancy. And because of that, you see Hemlock looking at it. Like, yeah. what's going on? I'm going to eat that. I'm going to eat the shit yeah, out of that, see? daddy. Stop. No. Uh, anyways, uh, so, yeah. So, your New Year's, 
New Year's was very chill. We played chill. board games. I third wheeled it with my married friends, and we went to another friend's place, and we Who's just... Who's that? Um, I, the Johnsons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I third Crystal wheeled and it. Eric. Crystal and Eric. Yeah. I third wheeled it with them, and then um, cool. we went to our friend Daniel's place. Shout out to Dr. A. And uh, we just, like, played board games until, like, quarter to midnight, and then, like, put on the party hats and counted down, and, you know, we... And that was it. And that was cool. It. And that was it. It was fun. And we were we were like we were all down. We were out of there by like twelve fifteen. I went to Jack in the Box. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I was I was definitely asleep, dead asleep. I just I don't really do I don't do all that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I used to years ago, but then I got old. <laughs> and then I was like, no, yeah, I want to be warm in my day. bed, especially because it was like downpour. Such a downpour. Oh, yeah, I know. I was so happy. I love it when it rains. I'm only happy when it rains. It was pretty good. They I've, can't I've been see enjoying me. all of it. They can't see me um, <coughs> dancing. Little, dancing. I love that gift that you posted of uh, the Munsters. Oh, yeah, of Lily Munster. Yes. Like, what a beautiful day. I know. <laughs> what a beautiful day. I know. I love that. I, I think that's a great uh, great little thing. Uh, my friend Anokai posted it, and I was like, that's pretty cool. I'm going to share that. And you, and how was Scary Christmas for the listeners who are so jealous that they didn't get to go? Oh, right. I know. I'm going to, like, you know, when this, like, takes off and makes us world famous, I'm going to, like, host giant Scary Christmas parties. Oh, my gosh. For thousands of people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I wish. That'd be so awesome. I want, like, a 100-foot tree filled with bones. Uh, bone <laughs> ornaments and stuff. Uh, anyways, no. Um, it was a really good time. We had really, really fun. Uh, started, you know, in the afternoon. We made food all day. We watched lots of movies. There was lots of drinking, lots of other stuff. It was really fun. Any uh, movies that were not originally on the docket, but, like, you just added them? No, not really. Um, pretty much everything that, you know, I had planned to watch, we watched. Um you know, uh, yeah, nothing was really thrown in. I threw in an extra episode of The Twilight Zone. There was two Christmas ones, so that's about it. But most most everything that we watched was all was all planned. Okay. Yeah. There were some things, I mean, there's stuff that, you know, like every year you kind of have to change it out. Because, I mean, it's a lot to fit into one day, you know. I mean, if you try it, because, you know, each movie is roughly, you know, two hours. The episode TV episodes are between a half an hour and an hour. So it's a lot, you know, you, you know by yeah. the end of it. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, there wasn't anything. Yeah, no, nope. It was pretty much what I said it was going to be. We watched Gremlins, Nightmare Before Christmas, Krampus. Krampus. Um, I watched the Batman Returns in the morning. Yeah, it was fun. Awesome. It was a really good time. <laughs> Sounded like fun. Yeah, it was. It was a good time. And I got lots of fun gifts. My friends. Um, cool. Uh, one of my friends, she got me these little mystery pops and... Um, it's like a blind bag, like a Funko Pop, but they're like mini. Mm-hmm. And uh, she got the box. I'm like, oh, how cool. I was like, you know, oh, they have an Elvira one. But, you know, like what are the chances in hell that, you know, you'll actually like have picked up an Elvira one. And I, I open it up and it's in like a black bag. And, I pick, and I'm like, hmm, that feels like it could. And I opened it up and it was Elvira. And I was so excited. So I have this little, little oh, tiny Elvira. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, yes, she's adorable. She done blessed it. She did. So I thought that was great. And then I also got this Funko Pop Elvira. Yeah. Oh, it looks so good. Yeah, it is. It's really cute. Sorry, y'all can't see this. This is not um, translated. We'll post it later. Yeah. Maybe. Um, that was that was really fun. Um, I got this book by my friend, Joe. That actually was for my birthday. Yes. <laughs> Chainsaw Confidential. How We Made the World's Most Notorious Horror Movie by Gunnar Hansen. May he rest in Chainsaw Glory. 
Um, it's really good so far. I've read the first couple chapters. Um, there's definitely stuff in here that I'm like, oh, cool. I didn't know that, you know, about the mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. For people who are listening, um, Gunnar Hansen was the, uh, played Leatherface in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and he wrote a book about the experiences uh, making the film a couple uh, months or uh, a couple years before he died. So um, what, like, what's something that you didn't know that, that you kind of found out? In the book. Well, I mean, just like the making, like, you know, some of the stuff like where they all like got together, like they didn't really, um, what do you want to say? Like he starts it off kind of as a joke, like where he's like, oh, you know, this movie was made with mob money and all this stuff. And he's like, no, I kid. But then he's like, talks about how they did get like 10 grand or something like that from some guy under dubious circumstances to make the movie. Uh, he talks a lot about some of the deals, like, you know, the, the money, you know, situations. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about like meeting, like, uh, he wasn't cast originally, which I also didn't know. Oh, wow. So they had a different guy in mind and he had to drop out. Very um, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, there's lots of cool stuff. Uh, the more I read it, we'll get, you know, we'll revisit and I'll talk uh, more about it. Cause there's still, um, I've got a lot to go in it. Um, but it's, it's been pretty eye opening so far. I was like, Oh, this is, this is really neat. Um, Oh, the guy who played Franklin, I guess, um, did method acting the whole time. So everybody was, like, up to here with him, Uh, which, you know, watching the movie, you're already like, oh, my God, somebody kill Franklin. Like, sorry, I know he's in a wheelchair, and it must really suck to be him, but fuck that guy. Somebody stab him in the throat. It's like like you you couldn't get it, like, you had your fill of him already, like, on screen, and to know just the thought that he was like that the entire process just makes me hate him even more. Yeah, it must have been so easy just to, like, want to kill him. Yeah, which Gunner talks about, yeah. Want to cut him? Yeah, so good. So that was really uh, it. Was a great gift. I appreciate it again. Thank you, Joe, for that. Oh, you're welcome, sweetie. It was perfect. Um, I knew as soon as you said you didn't have the book, I was like, a book he doesn't have. I know. Right? <laughs> I know you're so good. So, um, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about because this is kind of really cool. This is like one of the best gifts I got like over this whole season. Um, it was actually for my birthday, but my friend Laura, her boyfriend um, Butch. Um, his, you know, I've already, I should have written it down cause I've already kind of forgotten exactly the deal. I don't know if he works with somebody, I don't, or if it's just a friend of his. Anyways, the guy has an eight year old son who's autistic and they had like a, um, fundraiser. I'm not sh- sure for what exactly. See, this is so bad. I had all these details like a month ago when my birthday happened and you know, I, I was like, Oh, I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast. And now I've forgotten. So forgiveness. But anyways, he made this book called the horror book. Yes. Yes. Eight years old. Um, and it's awesome. It's filled with like just, all these different like slasher killers from horror movies. Oh, that's awesome! And then he writes a little thing about him. It's really cool. That's um, that's his um his like his obsession his thing. Yeah, yeah. He's totally like into horror. Loves horror. Loves uh loves all all of this stuff. Um and yeah, he put together this book with all these different um uh just little like a paragraph about each of them. Um, you know, uh, let's see. Some of it's not exactly right. Like, re, you know what I mean? He's like his own interpretation of it. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. You can do what you want, kid. I, I love it. Yeah. I just, you I self-publish a book, girl. You can find yeah. yeah. Like his one for Leatherface is Leatherface is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He kills people with his chainsaw. I don't know why they call him Leatherface. I don't know. Yes. yes. 
I do know why they call him Leatherface, but that's a whole other. Yeah, he's not ready for that. Right. Yeah. And then you know, I wonder if Michael Myers is in here since he's the subject of our, of our, uh, of our the film at hand, the, cla- the podcast today. Oh, he is. Michael Myers was pure evil. He killed his sister when he was young. Then later, he comes back to kill more teenagers. He also killed a group of college students and some of his friends. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. Anyways, love it. I wanted to share that because it was pretty cool. Uh, I'm not sure. Again, I need to like double check and find out what exactly it raised money for. But um, it was really neat. I thought that I thought it was really cool. Something I will definitely keep uh, forever. I've, you know, it could have been made by one of my nieces. You know, that's it made me feel proud. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, so. that's really cool. Yeah, I thought that was way cool. So, anyways, what else? Uh, what do you have to talk about? You um, said you had something. Yeah, I, well, I had a, I have a little plug of Palooza. Um, I actually just found it a little bit ago. Um, one of the awesome human beings that I follow on Instagram, um, her name's Katie. She's a graphic designer, and um, in addition to, you know, posting pictures about like her work, she also posts like design work and other like cool art that she has that she finds as a designer. Mm-hmm. And um, she posted this uh, thing. It's from this website called The Art of Play, or just artofplay.com. And what it is, it's, um, it's a website that specializes in boutique playing cards. So they're, like, impeccably designed, like, playing cards off of different themes and stuff. It's kind of, it has, like, a focus for those, like, sleight-of-hand magicians. Oh, okay. So, like, you know, they get really nice decks of playing cards and all that stuff. They, some, like, out-of-print, like, bicycle, like, they recreated out-of-print, like, classic bicycle decks. There's, oh, There's wow. one where, like, it they recreated the design of a, per, of a particular casino's cards, because they're said to be like really like some of the best deck of playing cards ever and how and there's like a special hidden way that they mark the cards or something like that. It's really it was really cool. I was reading I was I was just like up for another hour and a half uh <laughs> before going to bed. Anyway, the thing that she specifically posted was um was something by uh Michael uh Mateko of combo creative and it is um memento mori is the name of the type of deck of cards it's red um and the deck itself is not like the suits are not your usual suits they're like flies <laughs> what are they uh suits have been reimagined to create stars swords flies and feathers symbols of order aspiration chaos and scavenging respectfully and then it's like the the ace of flies and then you know the the jack of flies and it has like a like a um like a frog like with arrows in it oh like wow it's it's very disturbing but it's 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 really like the art is really great wow yeah i'm looking now at this this is really cool yeah huh how neat so Art of Play, Memento Mori, it's still on the website. There's some other really cool decks of cards, probably stuff that I'm going to buy. And these aren't even, like, they're not badly priced. For... No, not, the, not badly priced at all, yeah. given, like, the the detail and, like, the, I'm sure, like, the cards are probably really, like, 
like the stock that it's printed on is probably really well made. Yeah. But like, you know, it's it's fifth like fifty-four, because it's two jokers too. So fifty-four different pieces of like individual pieces of art. And that's like I kind of collect and I love stuff like that because like that site's perfect for me because I kind of collect decks of cards or like decks of cards that have different kinds of themes. Um and just because the idea of that you had 54 different versions of something that you were able to put on a deck of cards and showcase in that way, um, which reminds me, and this is also related to My Favorite Murder, and on a recent episode, they talked about like a decks of cards that prisons would give out that had cold cases on them. Yeah. I found that online, and I was trying to look for a place to like buy it because... Um, I think it was like the Illinois or Indiana like penitentiary system. They printed these decks of cards with the cold cases. So I like, yeah, I, I love decks of cards. I have like a deck of cards that's like 54 different sex positions. Like, Oh yeah, I've seen that. Um, I have one that you can get in San Diego. That's like 54 different craft breweries. Oh wow. But in San Diego, so 54 individual craft breweries. Wow. Um, but my favorite deck right now is the deck I got in China. It's 54 different pictures of Chairman Mao. Oh, and incredible. I just, I just love it because it's like there's Mao playing ping pong. and I got a Krampus card set. You do? Yeah. What? Yeah. I'm going to have to look for that. Yeah, I'll show it to I'll you. I'll steal that. Jeffrey. Uh, I'll have to mop that. It was a, um, it was a gift. These Memento more. I'm going to have to get these. These are really freaking cool. Aren't Fif- they just 15 really bucks. cool? That's really not bad. Not bad at all. And there's some other cool stuff there. Like, I could literally, I could spend a good chunk of money on that thing. Yeah. And then there's some also, like, some cool, uh, like, other amusements that they have there and, like, dice and just, I, I'm, I'm like, a fan of um, old-timey or, like, old-timey um, games. So, like, anything that's, like, an old-timey card deck or dominoes or dice, backgammon, even though I don't know how to play backgammon, I just love that the feel and the kind of artistry that went into those things. Hmm. But that's my plug of Palooza. Oh, and I really want to watch this with you, but I heard that the, the one of um, Anton Yelchin's last movies was a movie, a horror movie that he made with Alia Shawkat and Patrick Stewart green room. Oh yeah. And I really want to watch that with you. Yeah, definitely. So I want to see that because I think Patrick Stewart plays a bad guy. Yeah, he plays the that. the leader of a neo Nazi yeah. like skinhead thing, and apparently he just steals the show. Yeah, I I remember seeing the trailer for that and being like, "What, Professor X?" Yeah, there's like skinhead, it. and then there's another another film. I just can't remember the name of it, but it was it's like. Um, it's a, who's the guy in Into the Into the Wild? Emil Hirsch. Mm. It's Emil Hirsch and Brian Cox as a, or maybe someone, maybe someone else. But it's like their father son uh, coroners in a small town, and they get a body of a woman who's like not dead, but like dead, and then she comes back to life. Like Ooh. it's really interesting. Well, I'm for that too. Let's let's make yeah. it happen. It's like I, it's so funny because I know we're doing like we're doing this and we're going back in time, but it like makes me want to like actually go out and watch films that are coming out. Yeah, like Split. I'm sure we're gonna do a little yeah, minisode yeah. in the future really about wanna, Split. Yeah, definitely want to watch that. Yeah. And like all of all these these new movies, it's just like oh, I I kind of want to see what's referenced and and since you know we're we're taking this all that we're gonna end this semester with Saw. 
it's just it, I'm so curious now to see like all the movies that have been since then and all these really kind of movies that have been of note where where that moment is where's where's our um Texas Chainsaw Massacre moment that's going to like right. be the so the, the water show yeah. the next the next level. So I'm so thank you for I thank you for doing that because you made me now excited to go see these films. Yeah. Um where I never was before. Cool. So just to kind of end end on a happy note. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to uh, definitely see some new see some new stuff, some new horror. Uh no, stop that. Sorry. Sorry, hemlock. phone's getting attacked by a cat. Uh, see people, and I know you're out there going, well, why do you let the cat in there? Well, because if we don't, he stands outside the door and screams at the top of his lungs, and it's very distracting. Joshua, why, when will the cat stop screaming? <laughs> Have they stopped screaming? The cats. All right, so speaking of screams, the original Scream Queen, Jamie Lee Curtis, and the lovely and wonderful... 1978 horror classic Halloween. 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 Uh, so much fun. We just watched, um, well, the half of it because I, I was watching it when you got here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we finished it up. So fun every time. Yeah. So good. Such a good movie. And um, it, Halloween is a very, Halloween has a very special place for me because it's the first horror film that Joshua and I watched together. Yeah. It was, it's kind of like the, the birth of, um, what I was calling horror Academy at the time. Uh, but it's kind of the birth of fright school. Um, is that I, is this movie and it, it, it completely stemmed from Joshua saying, Oh, you've never seen this come over and see it. Cause yeah. it was almost Halloween. And I was like, Oh, perfect. Yeah. So then we watched that. Um, and then we watched alien right after. Yes. Um, that was so much fun. That was, a, that was a really fun night. And I was yeah. like, this is really fun. And what was even more fun is that like, we had such a great conversation, like in yeah. between the films and then afterwards. And what the time, cause we watched that silence of the lambs. We watched that silence of the lambs. We watched, a, <laughs> we watched, um, night breed. Right. Okay, that's right. That's when we were we were thinking about talking exclu- exclusively about like gender and like gender queerness. and queerness. Yeah, yeah, which we will we'll eventually discuss as like yeah. special topics. I think it'll be uh, perfect. Um, but yeah, I remember like we were just kind of looking at like the role of women in horror. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I yeah. So this this movie does have a very special place, and it's the first like it's the first of of the classic kind of horror films that I've ever seen. Um, so that, so, so yes, so they brought up some special memories. So that's why we didn't watch it together this time. Um, we just watched a little bit, um, at the, yeah, I, I just had it on. Cause I was like, you know, it's, I, I like to just throw it on. It's great. It has a great soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Soundtrack. I was thinking like, Bye, uh, this would be one of those, I don't know how they do it, but this would be one of those really great, um, soundtracks that like, the symphony or something would do like live. As oh, I wish. Going in the oh, that'd be so cool. Because I don't know. I mean, cause they made it for almost nothing. So I don't know how they would have contracted musicians to do it. Maybe it's all synth and dig. Yeah. Cause uh, John Carpenter did it. Oh, he did yeah, the music yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. That's him. Uh, all, all, all his stuff. Yes. Music by John Carpenter. Screenplay by John Carpenter. And Deborah Hill, directed by John Carpenter. He's all over. His fingerprints are all over it. 
<laughs> uh, yes. So Halloween, very interesting time. Again, we're coming, we're, we're talking about 1978. So uh, the Exorcist and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre are four years, you know, hanging out, you know, yep. already. All that in time. the ether. In the ether. They're out there. They're doing their thing. And along comes this movie that, again, totally, you know, rebirthed the slasher, you know, genre, or, I mean, reinvented in a way. You know, I mean, it was this kind of low-budget film. You know, they made it for, oh, gosh, how much? Like 300 grand, I think. Its box office was $70 million at the time. Uh, I'm sure it's gone on to make way more than that in DVDs and Blu-rays and VHS, all of that. And uh, not to mention, I think it has like seven sequels. Yeah, as a franchise, hugely successful. But yeah. the movie itself was also very successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's great. Love it. <laughs> what do we want to talk about? And we're it? done. Right. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. Uh, so yeah, a lot going on in Halloween, a lot that you can dissect. Um, um, what I loved about it was the whole opening sequence. I love, 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 um, where you find out like, cause it's just like from, um, so like one thing, one thing I remember talking about in, in my film class, um, in college was this idea that like the camera, the camera really, there's like the world of the camera and then there's everything that's going on outside the camera. So there's all of this assumption about what's going on outside the camera and how like you obviously you're when, when it's going through the house, it's a first person's perspective. Right. And it's like, people are referencing you, you know, you're a character, but you don't know who you are. And then at the very end, when you, you know, you find out, Oh, not only are you the murderer, but you're also a child like right. that. That in and of itself is shaking, and it's so jarring because it's it's completely the audience is completely shook right after that yes, at that absolutely. point. So that whole aspect of a film thing is just genius because I think I think what made it already so successful for me, and I was just I was hooked um, because then you get a lot of like exposition all the way up until mm -hmm. like the very first killing, and then there's you know there's all these little bits and pieces of just. Um, very storytelling, but having that all right in the beginning just completely, um, completely did it for me, and I was already in when I yeah. saw. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and it's interesting because Halloween, you know, I I don't know, I'd have to like really go back and think, or maybe dig up, but I, there wasn't a lot of that in horror, you know, until Halloween, like that sort of pers first person perspective. Of course, mm -hmm. that went on to dominate in like you know. Um, uh, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, innumerable, you know, films have taken that where, you know, you look through the eyes of the killer. Uh, but that's one of the things that also, you know, gets a lot of backlash is because it, you know, like, I think especially then people in the audience are like, you know, oh, I'm now I'm seeing this as from the perspective of the killer. Like now we're like all here complicit. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's a lot of, you know, obviously the major like feminist backlash, you know, um, because like ha Halloween is interesting because, you know, you have Laurie Strode, who is a strong female character. Um, you know, she fights back. She, you know, tries to you know, save her friends and, you know, do what's Protect right. Protect the children. Yeah. But the film and the, and, and the films subsequently, you know, seem to further and further like degrade women. And, you know, it's all about like murder and, you know, this over-sexualization, you, you know, so it, it, it's kind of, um, 
I don't know. It's an interesting conversation with, with Halloween, you mm-hmm. know, because and and with the movies that follow it is is you know is that um, yeah I don't know I don't know how I, like like I go back and forth like did you know is it, are horror films responsible for more violence or are they the you know a response to you know you know yeah you know what I'm saying I, I, I get what you're saying is that are they although I agree that w- that that it's totally like you know very objectifying and you know I I'm not going to argue like that that's that's not true you know women are definitely overly punished and you know I mean I think generally speaking men and women are killed about equal in horror films mm-hmm. um, but you know the more gruesome deaths and the focus is more on female destruction yeah and I, I, yeah I I I know what you're saying because it's like you are we if we're if we're gonna go back to how we originally from our episode one and we talk about like this idea of cultural anxiety and mm-hmm. horror as a way to manifest that and and show it and have and have some sort of catharsis from that yes um i feel like it i feel like on one hand you it, it could be it could be um it could be said that by showing so much violence against so much violence against women, it's just a magnify. It's just showing what's already happening out there in the world. Yeah. Like it's already, it's just putting it in front of you when you're forced to watch it, but it's stuff that happens every day. Yeah. Um, that being said, like, you know, it's that being said, I, 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 I struggle with that too, because I feel like, you know, then you have these like over sexualized. And then we were talking about how I asked you when we were watching, it's like, is the, is the character is Lori just, is there something inherently queer about her? And it's like, well, no, it's, it's the characterization of the final girl, which is, you know, the girl at the end of the film who kills her, mm-hmm. who kills the killer, which is interesting because like for as much violence as there is, as there is against women, uh, you have this trope of the final girl where inherently the, the hero of the entire film or the person, the last person alive is a woman. Right. So like, I don't know. I think there's there's kind of a weird sense of balance. And I'm not saying that, like, I condone... I'm not saying that I, like, fully condone the representation of, like, this type of representation. Right. But, like... But, yeah, I see what... But I'm just seeing what you mean. Like, I think in... Was it Hostel? Maybe Hostel 2. Um, Heather Matarazzo's character... Um, upside down getting cut with like blood and all that stuff. But then at the same time, her aggressor is a woman too. Yeah. yeah. So Elizabeth Bathory yeah. type. And figure. Elizabeth Bathory type, uh, you know, yeah, 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 type yeah. fantasy. So it, it's interesting. I think it's interesting. And I think it's definitely something that um, people will continue to, to speak out against or like to be outraged over. Yeah. But it's, it's something that it's something that the, um, the filmmakers themselves really just have to ask the question, like why, what, like, yeah. I don't know. What do you well, think? Yeah. Well, again, I think like a lot of the things that we've discussed is, you know, this is like a response to, you know, um, to culture, you know, when we make horror, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, I don't know if people intend to set out, you know, I mean, a man made this, a white man made this, you know, film with, you know what I mean, but it was partially written, you know, by a woman, you mm-hmm. know, Deborah, uh, what was her last name? Deborah 
hill. Not saying that, mm. you know, that means much, but I'm just saying, you know, obviously it's a very male like perspective from somebody who was born. What what year was John Carpenter born? Um, oh, I, I just looked at me. Look, 1948. Okay. So he's raised in the fifties and sixties with a very particular idea of men and women's roles. Um, probably being reflected. I have no idea. I don't know what kind of parents he had or what sort of, you know, life, but I mean, just like guessing at the culturally, you know, so it's like sometimes I don't know if it's intentional to make films like that or, 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 or that to be the comment being made, you know, with women in particular um, mm-hmm. or people of color, you know, a lot of times, like, oh, you know, black people don't survive horror films. Like, you know, I mean, there's lots of those sorts of things that I don't know if they're meant to, you know, and I, I don't even know if I if I set out to make a horror film without thinking about it. like if I just was like, oh, I'm just going to have these characters and this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to propel the story forward. It might show more about what my underlying subconscious, you know, biases and prejudices maybe are. Um, I do know if I was going to make a horror film, I'd rather do something. I, I would think that I would want to flip that, but yeah. you know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, it depends on what kind of story yeah. you write. So I, I, I don't know. So it kind of goes back. I have a hard time, you know, cause I agree with th- these movies clearly, you know, and they can be, I, I do think they can be harmful. I do think that men watching them, young men without context, without, you know, discussion, you know, could, you know, begin to, you know, pair, like violence and sexuality and things like, I mean, I think we have, yeah. you know, pretty good studies proving, you know, that there's mm-hmm. at least correlation. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the same can be said about, same can be said about other things along those lines mm-hmm. too, because you know, when it's yeah, any movie, anything, any violence, any know. sort of violence or, you know, anything yeah. where these kind you of look at video games and the whole culture there. Exactly. It's not just horror. I, yeah, I, it's just, it's fascinating. Cause I, I think about that too. Like what you, obviously there are these conventions mm-hmm. and you want to kind of flip all this stuff on its head. Um, and I'm thinking about like, well, is there any modern films that try to do that? Um, or at least are, at least are so meta, so self-aware that they, mm-hmm. the, um, uh, as far as like the genre goes, like I think about cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. like cabin in the woods, yeah. definitely, definitely kind of takes those conventions yeah, and comments on it. Attempts to do that. Um, but then, like, can we go even deep? Can we go even more modern? Can we say, like, Neon Demon, where it's a pretty much almost all-female cast? And yeah. I have not seen the movie, but, like, it looks like it's an all-female cast, and it's but it's women it's women themselves being aggressors. And you have like the craft where, like, yeah, women them, you know, it's it's I, I, I don't know. It's that's a it's a very it's a very interesting point, and um, and I think that. As we're as since we're in this age where like everyone is a cultural critic, everyone has um, you know it's so easy to just have your opinion right away. Of course, um, I mean yeah, that's our whole um, podcast is built on exactly. Um, <laughs> this is our opinion. Of this is our opinion on the things. I, um, yeah. I I feel like it's uh, I feel that the filmmakers of it are I think now more than ever are the ones who. Um, you know, they, they just have to know, mm-hmm. they just have to know the context and like be willing yeah. to speak out. Like, 
yeah. say whatever it is about their work. When I just, yeah, I just think, especially nowadays, you know, I mean, you know, we're talking about Halloween in 1978. I mean, the whole, the culture was totally different, you know what I mean? Yeah. At least in, in a lot of ways. Um, but we also, again, I think Halloween is very interesting because it was sort of, again, <laughs> history repeats itself, made in a time that's very much like now, you know, um, coming into the 80s and with Reagan and, and you know, everything that was going on then. Um, there was Cold this, War. this massive, like, conservative, like, uprising again, you know, and this, like, deranged Christian sort of values. And then, you know, that kind of, you know, teams, you know, uh, not teams, but, you know, just kind of subsides a little bit. And now we're living in this time again where the religious right and all that is suddenly getting very intense. And so... Um, well, not suddenly. I shouldn't say that. I mean, it's always <laughs> anyway. But you know what I mean. It seems now more than ever with this looming Trump presidency and this complete right wing. Like, I mean, everything's like just seems so out of control. And I think the '80s were kind of like that too. And the horror being made at the time really reflected that. You know, Halloween starts that, but then when you get into like Nightmare on Elm Street and you know Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, which was made in 1980 and then 84, you know, th- those those films progressively punish particular female sexuality, sexuality at all, really, partying, drugs, anything like that. If you were a teenager then and you went out and did those things, you're going to get murdered and you deserve to be murdered. Yeah. That's what those, like, that you know yeah. what I mean? And it, like, reinforces those sorts of yeah. beliefs. So. It's very, like, grim like original grim fairy tales yeah, in that yes, regard. Very where it's like, much. Let's keep the children in line by yeah. telling them these horrible stories. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they're wildly successful and people love it. And we will all like, everybody yeah. wants to like take part in this too. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's kind of a weird, you know, I don't know. I mean, flips I, it on its head because now all of a sudden like kids want to do that. They want to go act mm-hmm. out. They see these representations mm-hmm. of it and they're not getting that like, Oh, the consequence of that is that you got chopped into, you know, right. Freddie came and got you in your dreams. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Which is totally like unfair and wrong. I mean, I yeah. don't, you know, people shouldn't feel that way. Uh, Free love for everybody. Um, yes. You know, do it. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know, you know. So it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I don't think horror creates, like, this objectification of women. I think it already exists, you know. And we live in a world where, you know, one in three women are going to be violently assaulted. Women can't walk down the street. Women don't feel safe. I don't think horror creates that. I think it responds to it, you know. It, I think it, yeah, It's a. it holds a mirror up to, yeah. it. you know, we already, I think we talked about this in uh, Texas Chainsaw, it's a, it's already a violent society. It's violent mm-hmm. enough. And then um, this is yeah. just like it amplification. Mm-hmm. Um, I was telling, uh, I'll t- I was telling this story before we started, but um, I was catching up with a buddy of mine mm-hmm. um, over the holiday and was telling him about the podcast. And he asked like, Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think horror for you. Like, I didn't think that you liked horror and you know, what's, and he kept asking me like, what's the value of, of a horror film in general. And then I, I just kind of like, you know, explained to him everything about we were talking about, about cultural anxiety and how, you know, you take the the violence that is portrayed uh, in horror. It's like it, it forces the audience, it forces the people watching it to confront this violence in kind of like a macro level. Right. I, I mean, using this out, using a metaphor of, you know, the crazy circular or whatever. But this is all in some way, shape or form happening in the outside world. This is just giving you storytelling, using storytelling to kind of portray that. So like, yeah, you have the exercises. Exactly. So so this way you it's something that you're aware of. So. Yeah. But I think, as as you said, like this is 
the society in which we live is already so has already been institutionally like set up against like yeah people of well, color, vi- women. yeah well and that's the thing like yeah violence is already normalized in our everyday life yeah. you know what i mean every day you turn on you know your facebook or your twitter or whatever you know your newspaper if you read one of those things because you're 90 <laughs> no but i mean you know every day it's you know we're, we're seeing more and more police violence be ratified as normal we're seeing you know people post you know horrific videos of doing you know violent things we have people who you know feel violence is completely and and um is, is totally necessary to solve problems you know so i i don't know it's kind of it's a mix because again i i think that I do think that I'm desensitized to a lot of things because of the horror that I've watched and the uh, amount of horror that I that I see. You know, I do think that I I am personally desensitized against certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some some stuff that I see happening in the world. I, you know, I'm like, wow, that's really terrible. But I'm able to kind of continue moving on, and I'm not as horrified at, by it as maybe I should be. You know, with the, with the violence of it, you know, the systemic issues and the things like, you know, I'm always, you know, of course, mad about that and, and upset. But like when I see really like physically violent things, it doesn't affect me as much. Yeah. And I do think that's probably because of like the kind of horror that I've watched and, you know, and then again, because of like confirmation bias, like every day, like all of my stuff is very geared towards like violence and gore. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So yeah, I'm yeah. very desensitized by it. So, I mean, I'm not here, you know, I, and I'm not even trying to say in this podcast, like, you know, I'm talking about these films, this is something, this is a hobby of mine. I love horror. Um, I do think that it has cultural relevance. I do think that we, um, if the whole, if everything was really healthy and we lived in a really healthy world, maybe we wouldn't make horror. Maybe it would be different, you know, or, or mm-hmm. if we did, maybe it would just be a different kind you know, because I, I do think we like to scare each other. I do think that we like to tell scary stories. Yeah. There's a, um, there's a cathartic element Yeah, to it. I don't, but I don't know if we would make these, like, viciously horror, you know, like, horrifying films mm-hmm. if the world in the in, that we lived in was healthy. Yeah. You know, what was it? There was, like, that quote. In, are you, have you seen the OA on Netflix? No, I haven't yet. Oh, okay. But there's, like, a quote in there. And I think, I mean, it's, I don't know who said it, because it's probably attributed to somebody else. But it's, like, you know, I, I don't think it's any you know, measure of like mental health to feel like well-adjusted in a sick world, you know, that kind of, Oh, that sort of idea. That's really profound. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like that, you know, so, so I I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm sort of rambling, but I don't know. It's like, I'm trying to like justify horror, but also like agree that there's a lot about it. That's not justifiable. Yeah. And especially for my like feminist friends who are like, yeah, you know, and I I think that's, you know, I mean, with things that with things that you love, I feel like with things that people love and that are part of their identities, at, at some point you have to kind of you reach this point where you're justifying it to, you yeah. know, you justify my love. Right. You, right. you <laughs> you're you're reaching this point where you have to reconcile that with yourself and then like other people who ask you about that. So, so like I totally get it. Like I get mm-hmm. it. I, I, I get that. um Absolutely, a hundred percent. But I, I feel I'm, I'm just like you. The more that I watch, the more that we talk about it, it's just it's another element to me. It's about it's an element of storytelling that a lot of people don't like underestimate. Like, yeah, I feel that you know if it's not like some sort of prestige drama, like you know, like Offenses or you know something that has like significant Oscar buzz with serious actors, like mm-hmm. I think people don't. 
um, they don't think it's a real thing. And yeah. I'm, and I'm going to agree. Like for some, for a lot of it, I thought I didn't think it was a real thing either, but at the same time, like, or not relevant, not relevant, yeah. not, not relevant, not, um, not a relevant genre, uh, not, not something of, of note or of merit. And I definitely think that's not the case now. Like I, I, yeah. I feel that there are, there's so much, so much good storytelling that comes from it. And, and it's, it's interesting because these are, these are issues that like issues that, um, you have like these really serious quote unquote dramatic films, uh, portraying are stuff that horror films have kind of like already kind of been doing for. A oh while. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No. And when it comes to like that kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. you can't, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, that's one of those things that I go back. We're so far off topic with Halloween, but that's okay. Yes. Um, but the, but the, the thing is, it's like, yeah, you know, you kind of go back and forth and people think, oh, you know, this great film like Crash, you know, or um, what are some other like big Oscar films? Um, um, Birdman. Birdman. You know. Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback, yeah, exactly. Like I think of these things and yeah, of course, culturally significant, great films, like artistry involved, but like do you go back and continually grab those and watch them over and over again? Uh, do they have that same, like, do they have like a, that freaking hammer to society, you know, like Halloween, like Texas Chainsaw. I, I mean, horror really, yeah. you know, gets in there and is ingrained and it's something that people, you know, kind of return and can watch the same yeah. thing over and over again. I love Schindler's list. I probably will never watch that movie again. You know, yeah. I, I think it's a great film and deserves any award that it was given, but it's very, it's, you know, it's a very hard movie to watch, even though, I mean, to be honest, it's a horror film. Yeah. It's about a horrific event in, in, in our lives, but I don't want to watch it again. You know, um, crash I think is very important and has very good commentary on race relations, but I don't want to watch it again. Cause it's, it's a little too real. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's an old reference. I just, you know, I'm bringing up. You no, know, I understand. Brokeback Mountain, I don't really care about. I, I like the book, the original, like, oh, novella. But it's, I, just... I listened to, you know, side, complete sidebar, and we're totally off topic. But I listened to the novella on tape mm. um, uh, on, like, a long drive once. And it was just, it was better and more yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, I just loved it. Because it just left so much to the imagination. Yes. That, and, I, and I don't think that my, I don't think my enjoyment of it was marred by having seen the movie but it was just i just love the way that the that particular writer did it yeah and Pearl or mm. however you say her last yes name. but i mean to to get us back on topic right so right. <laughs> back to the horror back right. to the horror back to halloween halloween um the movie itself um when we were talking about like the queerness i wanted to talk a little bit about the other girl the final girl <laughs> the other girl um we were talking about it, and it's like the final girl is this like chaste, virginal, tomboyish. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. There's they definitely nothing, strip her. Of, yeah, they strip her of like her set of desire. They yeah. desexualize her, which it, which in which is in almost in and of itself is almost kind of sexist as well. Because in order for her to be the one to kill the villain, she has to kind of take things. She has to kind of almost become like a man. You know what I mean? Like, or like. I mean, that's, this is just my very preliminary crude reading of it, but it's like she almost, mm -hmm. they take these feminine, quote unquote, uh, feminine um, uh, science symbols, attributes about her, things that signify femininity, strip her of it. And yeah. then that's when she is equipped to, you know, deal with the killer. Yeah. You know, I, I, again, it's like, I, I don't, 
you know, again, it's, um, what do you call that? Anthropology. Like, we're, no, that's not exactly probably the right word I'm looking for. You know, we're looking at this movie 40 years later or whatever, yeah. 35 years later, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, trying to, it's like, again, it's like, I don't know how much of when they were like putting Lori together, if they meant to make her that yeah. way. You know, or if it was just like, oh, you know, here's your neighborhood nice girl next door. Yeah. You know, here's a like hundred dollars of clothes from J.C. Penney. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it, precisely. They, yeah, they had like no budget. They were just doing what they could do. You know, I mean, obviously they have the one friend, the blonde friend who gets murdered and shows their boobies and all. You know, yeah. I mean, that you know. So it's like they have to. You know, it's like these archetypes that exist in lots of you know different ways. I'm not sure if that was their intention, but I know that Halloween definitely, like, you know, I think. Um, because it was so successful culturally and, and economically, you know, movies like, um, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, we'll watch that. Heather Langenkamp's character, kind of the same thing, big frumpy sweaters. She's just kind of frumpy looking in a way. Um, you know, I'm, I'm positive that's you know pining for like a guy that's all like you know kind of but not really someone. like she's that's not that's not her main motivation throughout uh-huh. the movie because I mean she has like you know Johnny Depp's character sneaking into her bedroom at night and there's no there's not a sexual moment there even if there's attraction they're not you know yeah doing do, you know we'll we'll talk more about that when we yeah. you know get into nightmare but with like the same thing you know she's like teased about um going back to laurie strode jamie lee curtis um the then unknown jamie lee curtis mm-hmm. who you know of course is the Jenny daughter lee of and tony curtis's daughter yeah, the daughter of the like Original, original screen right. queen. Yeah, Marion Crane, Janet Lee from Psycho. This movie has lots of Psycho references. That obviously being, you know, clearly a big one. Uh, Doctor Loomis, Sam Loomis is mm-hmm. from, you know, Psycho. Um, the way the stories t- you structured, it, it, I, Halloween definitely owes a lot of debt to Psycho. Yeah, um, as do a lot of movies. The but, knife, but like, it's right. The, yeah. the murder I- instrument yeah. itself. Yeah, but they still, I think. Um, Created something very original with Psycho. Um, anyway, what, what was the point? Oh, just the... Um. <laughs> just, it's not, it's, we're looking at it, we're looking at it from like a death of the artist perspective where it's like, yeah. we're reading so much into these things. Are And we've talked about it before. Like, yeah. Are we reading just too much into it? And, you know, but... Yeah, but that that's also but like it fits though because that yeah. conti- because whether whether or not that was the intention of Carpenter and of the people who produced this movie, mm-hmm. um, or if they just set a trope that then obviously you know gets followed, it, yeah, and it becomes more and more obvious. Like you know when you do step outside the stories and you look at them, you're right. You know she Laurie Strode, Heather Langenkamp, um, Nancy, um, that's her name. I keep mm-hmm. calling her Heather Langenkamp. That's the actress who plays Nancy mm-hmm. in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, countless other female characters who survive. And Nev Campbell in uh, Sydney Prescott. In mm-hmm. um, she had like really short hair too, right? In that one, no, she? she has no. She has long hair, okay. um, but. Well, and she's actually kind of has sexualized moments too, but but that's scream turning things on its yeah, head. Yeah, it's true. Um, so she's probably she's not really a great example, but there are plenty. I mean, you yeah. know, if we weren't do, if we weren't like recording, I could probably think of a million more. But still, that yeah, that's a very um, obvious like trope. Yeah. So what I thought was kind of interesting though is again, you know, going back to these conversations about you know. Uh, feminism, you know, some, some people see, you know, uh, the movie as very anti-woman, whereas the woman, um, what's her name? Carol Clover, who wrote the, um, 
Men, Women, and Chainsaws uh-huh, uh-huh. book. Um, One of our texts. Right. We love that. Uh, she, like, argues that despite, like, all the violence, um, it's... Slasher movies make women into the heroines, kind of like what you were saying earlier. You know, she, although she doesn't kill him in the end, you know, yes. he gets up and, spoiler alert, uh, he disappears. Yes. <laughs> Again, a 35, 36, exactly. year You're old. late. Right, yeah. Sorry. Um, she doesn't kill him, but what I like that she points out in a lot of like horror and early stuff, you know, it's like the woman is kind of weak and is waiting for some man to show up and Dr. Loomis does show up, but she's already stabbed him in the throat with the knitting needle, stabbed him in the eye with the uh, coat hanger, stabbed him in the chest or whatever with the knife. With his own knife. He just won't go down because, you know, Michael is something inhuman. Yeah. Um, But, you know, Loomis shows up, shoots the guy like six times Still doesn't kill him, you know, so even him showing up in the end to, like, save her, Mm -hmm. he doesn't really, you know, because he gets up and then he's in the next movie. The next movie, um, Halloween 2, picks up right there, right in that same moment and then continues on and he's still, you know, there trying to kill Lori. Um, but anyway, so I liked, um, this idea, that idea of, um, the fact that even though, she's like rescued by him. She's not really, you know, she fights yeah. and, and, and really, um, is a heroine, you know, yeah. she's like saving those kids and doing, you know, so again, it's like that shifting dichotomy, but it's still, but she's still the one who was like virginal, not really, you know, doing the bad stuff that the other girls are doing. She yeah. smokes a little pot though in the early part of the film. Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure again, you know, it's like she doesn't fit into all those original yeah. and come like comparatively to the other comparatively to the other female characters or her friends that get murdered. Right. Like compared to them. Yeah. She, she ends up being like, you know, obviously the good girl. I mean, she's babysitting on, on, uh, Halloween. But um, yeah. I I do want to talk about. Just let me know when it's okay. But I do want to talk about the movie Final Girls, um, that recently came out. Oh yeah, let's. We'll talk about that in a second. Because okay. there was one other thing. Um, something else I really liked, um, is a couple things about like suburban life, like the danger of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> would, again, I love that. Like lurking under these like picturesque, you know, neighborhoods is yeah. like violence and. Um, I, I, I think that's really interesting to look at. And then there's this other comment um, about like the lack of adult supervision in all mm-hmm. of these kind of movies, you know, and this sort of abandonment and like par- parental neglect, you know, it's like, so it, it's their fault that their kids get murdered, you know, and this, and in like um, a nine mile on Elm street, the parents are directly responsible because mm-hmm. they are the ones who, basically create Freddy Krueger. Yeah, they vigil through vigilante vigilante justice. justice, Yes. Um, And then, like, in Halloween, like, you know, these kids get murdered. Where are their parents? Like, nobody shows up to grieve. This, like, total absence of of adults. And I don't know. I thought that was very interesting because that wasn't something that I had uh, really thought about. And I'm trying to remember where I read that. Oh, it was so interesting. That's really interesting. <laughs> like, where are the parents? Yeah, and in a lot of a lot of these movies, that was a big, um, big thing. See, it's like uh, parental figure figures are almost entirely absent throughout the film. 
no parents, either the teenagers or the children left in their charge, called to check in on their children um, or even arrived to keen over them. Uh, I thought that was, I, I, I think that's very interesting. And again, it's like uh, more condemning of like the destruction of like the nuclear family going yeah. into mm-hmm. the 80s. You know, you have, oh, well, if mom wasn't at work, you know, yeah. if if she was home doing her job, you know, yeah. these killers wouldn't show up stabbing all the children. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's like this this commentary on that as well that like, you know, the parents these days just let their kids do whatever and look, they're all getting yeah. murdered, they're all, they're all having key. sex, they're doing drugs and they're getting stabbed to death. They're all latchkey kids. This is a problem. So, yeah. <laughs> um I I I want to talk a little bit about what you said about the suburban life. Mm. And so um one thing you mentioned on another previous episode was how you you like um you like I think it was in Psycho, you like how um a good horror film, a great horror film can take something completely innocuous and yeah. just make you completely afraid of it. So like taking a shower with a door open in a hotel room. Yeah. Um so like here you have, you know, you have these uh, the, <laughs> the like sing that like kind of the, uh, epitome of like a safe place is the suburbs <laughs> and yeah, completely supposed to be supposed to be completely turned on its head because even like, even the exorcist, she's in the city, like she's in, um, DC, right? DC or Baltimore, like one of those like East coast, like, so she's in the city and like you have these like suburbs, which are supposed to be really safe. And it's like, you know, post-war boomer style, like, you know, these, these, you know, track houses everywhere and then completely turned on its head. And then included with the suburb is the idea of the nuclear family, which relates to what you were saying too. Like, that's just really interesting how like, you know, everything, nothing is what it seems. Like I love, I love a good, like suburban, like I, that's why I kind of love desperate housewives, at mm. least the first two seasons. Cause it's just, you know, what goes on in Wisteria Lane? Right. What's goes, lurking? What beneath. is lurking beneath, like, what you see? And I always think about that. Like, I kind of live in a little suburban, like, area. Like, it's definitely developed and has an HOA and all that stuff. And every time I, like... And there's occasionally times where I'm walking around the neighborhood. I'm like, what kind of freaky shit is going on here? <laughs> like, who who do you really know your neighbors type thing? So, right. yeah, I... I um, yeah, I think it's just fascinating how we continue to, to like explore that too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Halloween also plays on this idea. I mean, especially in like the eighties and nineties, I'm not sure. Were you, were you babysat? Um, yes, we, my parents went to work and, um, an aunt, um, an aunt, but not like some 13, 14 year old, 15 year old. No, teenager. it was always, it was always family. So like my aunt, oh, okay. uh, growing up, my aunt, um, she, she kind of, it was like a two full thing. Like she, she watched us and then, uh, my grandpa was elderly. So she also kind of like helped take care of him, but not really. Cause when we were young, he was still pretty mobile and, uh, and okay. doing all that stuff. So we, but she did take care of us and she, she was there when we came home. Uh, she was there when we, um, came, uh, came home from school. And then over the summers, like, you know, we, we did stuff with her and so, so like she watched us for sure, but like, it was always a family member. Like, I think really, really early I was watched by a woman that was not blood relation 
and that didn't last that long. Okay, but never like a teenager. But never like a teenager, okay. no. See, now we were. We did have um, a couple, like, family uh, friends who my babysit us who were, like, young, you know, like mm-hmm. 16, 17. Um, you know, so there's this whole other thing about, like, babysitters and, like, the culture of that. It's such a... Mm-hmm. Um, another reason I think Halloween was so successful was because like, you know, in 78, a lot of people, well, especially young women were babysitters mm-hmm. or had experience being babysat, you know, well, not women, but that's everybody. Yeah. But you know, a lot of people were, so it, it so hit like a core American, like cultural thing. Yeah. You know, that like everybody that is could a identify. a very American thing, right? Yeah. Like, it's like you could really identify with that. Mm-hmm. You know, that stranger girl down the street who comes and, you know, watches you every now and again. And, you know, you know, obviously she's not a stranger then, you know. Yeah. But still. But she's not a blood relation. Yeah. But yeah. then in, the, in Halloween, that sort of flipped because the girls who are babysitting, like they're more they're excited because they're going to have their boyfriends come visit and like hang out and they're going to like pop the kids in front of a a movie, which I think the thing from another world plays in Halloween, which is really cool Mm -hmm. since we watched that. Um, and something else, there's a couple, a couple like old school horror movies are in it, but anyways, so, you know, and Michael Myers like kills his sister because she preferred, you know, doing whatever with her boyfriend than actually like watching and engaging with him. Mm -hmm. You know, at least Mm -hmm. that's kind of the idea there. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I just think that's kind of, that's really a cool, you know, sort of cultural thing yeah. you know, with babysitting. I was just wondering if you had been babysat cause we were, and I have like memories mm-hmm. like of watching scary movies or like being together and like maybe a storm and you're like, Oh my gosh, we're all going to get murdered. You know, like, <laughs> cause we had watched these movies and now we have this babysitter and you know, and sometimes yeah. they were, sometimes they were bad and they did do bad things and brought See, yeah, my, men over my babysitter, my auntie Rita, um, but like we, uh, her, we officially called her Mama Rit, and Mama Rit was like, she was no nonsense, man. Oh, like yeah. she, she would not have it if Michael Myers came and knocking. She would not have it. <laughs> right. She would not she have it. knocked him out. She would have knocked him out. She would have not had it with him. But she was like, oh my god, like just a little bit about my childhood. Uh, watched a lot of soap operas, like three hour block in the middle of the day. We watched like three different soap operas, so I know what was going on with the Newmans and YNR and all those other people. Um, and then she also taught us how to play poker. <laughs> Oh, love she, her. she taught us there was this, there's this game called 5000, which is basically like teaching people how to play poker hands. And it was just I mean, it did help our math skills. I mean, looking back on it now. Um, and then she also made us like Ichiban ramen noodles with rice and spam. So, you know, got to love her. Rice and spam. Yes. Hashtag islands. That's incredible. <laughs> well, I do like this something to kind of um, end on with at least with Halloween before we move on to discuss like final girls. Mm -hmm. Um, Carpenter dismisses the notion that Halloween is a morality play. He says critics completely miss the point. Uh, The one girl who is the most sexually uptight just keeps stabbing this guy with a long knife. She's the most sexually frustrated. She's the one that's killed him, not because she's a virgin, but because at that sexually repressed energy starts coming out. All that, sorry, but because all of that sexually repressed energy starts coming out, she uses all those phallic symbols on the guy. <laughs> that's so. That's but, awesome. Again, I wonder, though, where this quote is from and what time, because I'm wondering if that was, like, intentional or if it happened, like, if, again, if he's looking back on it. Yeah. You know, now. 
Hmm. That's so interesting. Like, cause it, and it just goes to show like how, like the, this is why I kind of love and hate like rhetorical criticism right. just because it's like you have, I always, for me and also because like I'm a theater person, like, I, I mean, I love, I love theater and writers and all of that goes with that. Like there's author's intent. So like, you know, it's a theater thing to like, you can't, you, you have to say the words as they were written. Like right. you, you, the, the author intended a specific thing. You can't deviate from that. You can't just change genders or add words because you want to, or you want to convey something like you have to be true to the writer's message. Now there's like direction in a script where you know oh you can play with this or you can add this and people do so that way it gives it a fresh spin yeah, every time course, yeah. but but like you at the fundamental core like you can't change like if if in act one sally says you know hey everybody how's it going you can't say hey i'm sally blah 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 like yeah so there's so i'm i'm all about and my core i'm all about yes it's this what is what is author's intent and that's something that like i always ask when I always ask, and it's always fascinating yeah. for me, especially with film. It's a little difficult because maybe you know we're we're living in a time where like it's real. There's a, such easy access to author's intent via social media oh, yeah, and absolutely. all of that stuff. If they're willing, to, if they're willing yeah. to to say anything, and sometimes authors and sometimes not. Sometimes directors, auteurs, they don't want to sh- tell you their intent because they want it to be completely up to yeah you the viewer yeah. to make the meaning, yeah. but like. Carpenter here, like that's a completely different read from what we've kind of been talking about, mm-hmm. but it just makes, it just makes most obvious sense. Um, I don't, I don't particularly get from the film that she's sexually frustrated. Is it, see, that's the, that, so when you're talking about like, is this something where he's looking back on it now? I don't read that in the film. I just read that, oh, she's a virgin. Everyone's having sex, but I don't feel like she either is performing that or is, it's it is right apparent explicitly apparent that she's just completely frustrated no i do like the idea of like you know here's this man brooding ominous man stranger going has been going around you know penetrating women <laughs> and men penetrating people against their will you know uh, murdering them. murdering them against their will Mur- yes murdering them <laughs> against their will um and then you have I do not consent to this stabbing yes just for the record yes um and then you have her who comes in and just you know is is attempting to exact like you know the classical element of revenge which is an eye for an eye so you know exactly the way you were trying to get him but yes yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, so I'm not sure what to to make of that comment. Such a good. Oh, thank you for ending it. <laughs> thank you for finding yeah, that because that was that's it's a, it's a it's um it's a different read, and I think it's something that you the the people who the people who have those criticisms of the film who are like you know oh so much violence against women and it's you're punishing virgins and stuff like that's it's a it's a quotation from the filmmaker who kind of just makes you think about it in a different way yeah so maybe not to like silence them but it's definitely there to make them think about it in a way that they probably would never have thought yeah i don't know it's very it's very interesting so what was your com- uh, comment on the final girl oh yeah so um final girls is um final girls it's a film it's a movie, actually. It's a movie, um, and it's kind of like a, it's kind of a black comedy. It's a little campy, mm-hmm. um, but it's a recent film, probably 2014, 15. Um, Adam Devine, uh, Matt Mullen Ackerman, and how do you pronounce her name? Uh, Farmiga. 
Oh, Taisa. Taisa Farmiga, Thomas Middleditch, Alia Shorkat. Like, so all these, you know, these people who have careers now. And they, the premise of it is that this, um, this girl whose mother was, um, whose mother was a scream queen, like whose mother was, is, was an actress in the eighties and made this movie that like, like a type, like a, um, like a, um, oh yeah, Friday the 13th style movie, summer camp where everyone gets murdered. And she plays like, she plays the character who like has sex and then immediately is killed. Oh, okay. So, so, you know, but it's a, it's hugely successful and her mom can't get any work off of it after that. Anyway, she plays her daughter and, um, when you in in like the brunt of the movie, the the mom the mom is dead. So mom mom has died, and somehow her friends convince her on Halloween to go to this movie theater to um, watch the movie. And this is the first time she's seen it in years, and it has her. You know, she's going to go see her mom on the right. screen again, and all the emotions that come. That long story short. Through a series of events, somehow this group of teens, including her love interest, ends up in the movie. And then they start messing with the world of the movie. And you have like one guy, Thomas Middle, just plays the guy who's the super expert. He has like, I have a podcast. He has, a, he has um, an expert on the film and he's the one who's kind of guiding them about what's going to happen and all this different stuff. So they're in the movie playing the trope out. Uh, okay. And it's like, and it's in, you know, because they're interfering, it turns things on its head and sees where it goes from there. So that's a, it's an interesting thing because I since we haven't watched uh, Friday the Thirteenth yet, but it still references Halloween heavily. Um, it just references that whole kind of concept um, of like the teens at a summer camp because and so you know we're talking about adult supervision like they're these are camp counselors so they are the adults in this situation. Right. Um, but w- what I wanted to bring up and you know. I don't want to say too many spoilers because it's still fairly new and people should go out and watch it for sure. Is that the, um, the final girl in the, in the, the film that they're in, when they introduce her, they, they introduce her as like this super like badass like she's hyper, she's actually hypersexualized. Nothing like a Laurie Strode mm-hmm. where, you know, none, none of that. In fact, she's like, I feel like she's hypersexualized and she plays like this kind of like I'm a virgin, like, but like a rebel almost where it's like, Oh, you don't fit to me. It's like, this is not this. It's unsettling because it's like, this is not what a final girl looks like. Right. You're, you're supposed to be in some ways like a little more demure. <laughs> like right. I hate using that word demure. Um, and they, and when in actuality, it's the mother who plays that demure character who's the first one to get it. Right. She has more of the personality of the final girl. Oh, okay. So, like, in, in they're playing with, they're obviously playing with that in the film. Yeah. But it's just, it was, it's just an interesting thing when we're talking, when we're mentioning about, like, have to look that kind up. of read of it. Yeah. I'll yeah. Look it up. It's a fun, it's a fun hour and a half. Yeah. I want to, I definitely, I want to see it. Looks like it came out October of 2015. So it's about a year old, a little over a year. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to look it up. Final girls. Final girls. Uh, let's see. What else to say on Halloween? Um, Rob Zombie made a really good uh, remake of it in 2007. And then the follow-up, 2008 or 9, Halloween 2. Um, those are very good. Uh, the original sequel, Halloween 2, is really good. 
Um, so the first two, the first two films in the franchise are really good. Third one's a little because it's not about Michael. They go on this whole. They thought that they would make Halloween like a, a franchise that told different stories with each, you know, like an anthology. Uh-huh. Uh Didn't work. People were like, Nah, boo. Bring back Michael. Yeah, we want Michael. So they brought him back. The return of Michael Myers, and then the curse of Michael Myers. Uh, Halloween H two O, very yes. good. With a young um, Josh Hartnett. Yes, I actually really, really like that movie. I love um, a Josh Hartnett. Yeah, they did a they did a very good job with that. Um, then they did Resurrection, where it's the whole like reality TV thing, and mm-hmm. I, I saw it in the theater, and I've seen it a few times on TV since. Uh, whatever, Busta Rhymes, Tyra Banks. So you did like you did like the Rob Zombie kind of like reimagining. I loved whatever. it. I saw it okay. in the theater. Bought the T-shirt. Took my brother Cody to see it, actually. We went together. He was probably, let's see, 2007. Ten years ago. Ten years ago, I was 22. So that would make Cody, he would have been 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. And actually, we saw it earlier. So actually, he was probably 15 when I took him to see it. Can that be right? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Let me make sure. Cause it came out. Yeah. Def- I graduated high school 10 years ago. I can't believe it either. I know. I tell you, um, where's the, yeah. 2007. Yeah. They, uh, that was the remake came out. So yeah, definitely. He was, yeah. Pro- I, I would say that because of the time period that it came out, he was actually probably 14 and I would have been 21. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. 22. Okay. Anyways, I've heard I've heard I've heard such mixed reviews about the the remake. Yeah, you know, I think it's because people well it's like anything, you know, when they remade the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I felt the same way. I was just like, you know, boo, but it was so good. I really liked it. What about when they did Psycho? Uh, you know, I didn't really care for because it's I, I didn't feel they were bringing anything new because they wanted to do like a shot for shot remake of uh, it, okay, and, okay, and okay. I just don't care for that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Um I, I don't understand that. You know, like, leave it alone then, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're not going to reinvent it. Uh, I think that um, Rob Zombie, he's, like, I think I I would love to hang out with him because he's, like, a big horror hound. And he appreciates, like, the artistry and, like, the history of horror, Um, even more Mm -hmm. so than me. Like, because he likes a lot of, like, old school horror, you know, that really shows through, the like, the artwork that he does and the way that, you know, the kinds of, you know, horror Mm -hmm. stories he tells. Um, But I think that he... he had a lot of reverence, you know, for the original. And I think that that shows, uh, maybe not to like just somebody who might be like, Oh, I love Halloween and yeah. you know, I hate Rob zombie or what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe they didn't see the love. I, I felt like he made, he, when I saw it, I'm like, that's what I would have done. I, I think he made a lot of really good choices. The soundtrack is killer. Mm-hmm. Like all his movies. I don't care what you think of any of his movies. The soundtrack alone is mm-hmm. always so freaking good. Yeah. You know? Um, well, yeah. I mean, he makes some typical, I think, you know, some mm-hmm. obvious choices, you know, in the in the way he tells mm-hmm. the story. But I, I think, I, I mean, the, when you're saying the reverence, like the reverence to it, I mean, like, because uh, Carpenter's still alive. Uh-huh. Like, Carpenter's still alive. Gave his blessing for it. Oh, see? Well, even then, like, yet there's... Yeah, I think that's the kind. Those are the kind of people that you want to make your reboots and you want to write your remakes. It's people who have who have reverence for it, but they're not gonna like completely. They're not gonna take it as like slash fiction or you know, quote you know, quote fan fiction, and they're not going to do 
Um, they're not going to just like completely remake it um, shot for shot. They're going to bring something new to it. They're going to bring their voice to it, but they're still going to have like, they're, they're just going to amplify the kind of the bones already of like what it's, what's already there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was just looking up cause yeah, John Carpenter, I mean, they were friends, he and Rob Zombie. And so um, he went to, you know, Zombie went to him and um, to be like, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, remake your movie. And uh, Carpenter just wanted him to make it his own, you know, Mm. which I think he definitely did. You know, I mean, it's got a lot of great, like, callbacks to the original. um, But, you know, it's it's more of a... I like it because it really expands Michael's story as a kid and so you see a lot more of like kind of the abuse and neglect and you know his early you know his story which i really liked you know mm-hmm. um it, it's very violent it's very gory <laughs> you know which especially in 2007 i really loved i was like mm-hmm. totally for it um like i said i took my little brother up. i bought us both t-shirts we went to the hot topic in the mall that like yes. the, the AMC, you know that the theater was in and they had they were they had like shirts from the movie it was a really it's a really cool shirt i still have it i wear it every now and again um, it's just a great image of like the mask, the Michael Myers mask and like Rob Zombie's kind of reinvention of it. Um, and I, uh, I wear it. I, I love that. It was so fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was really good and I own yeah. it. I have both. I, I watch it every now and again cause I, I do think it's really well done. Um, you know, and I, again, maybe it'd be more fun. Maybe we should find some people that hate it and we can have a debate. <laughs> yeah. Because I always wonder what it is that people hate about things, yeah. you know, when they when they make, they do a remake. Some people say, I mean, so I bet some people just hate it because it's Rob Zombie. Right. Because, you know, he's not, he he's he's a person that people who like film have, or, you know, who, who watch movies have strong opinions about. Yeah. Um, in both directions. Um, I personally, yeah, I love all his movies. I personally have never seen any Rob Zombie movies. Um, I have a feeling that's going to be a special topic coming up then. <laughs> yes. We should watch uh, Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses, Lords of Salem. Um, Lords of Salem is weird. Um, I don't really think of it as like a, a horror film in the, in the same as vein as mm-hmm. House of a Thousand Corpses, which is just kind of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on acid. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, the look you—if you guys could see the look on my face, <laughs> the idea, <laughs> the thought of like watching Rob Zombie movies, um, kind of makes my, kind of makes my skin. Yeah, The uh, Devil's Rejects is great. I mean, I think. Well, it's I like Juliet Lewis, so she's in The Devil's Rejects, is she? No, isn't she. No, what movie is she in? Juliet she's Lewis. not in his movies. Oh, she's in Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers. That's great. what. I, Sorry, I think it has nothing to do with Rob Zombie. Okay. <laughs> so I too love Juliet Lewis. I wish she was in a Rob Zombie see, movie. See, this That'd whole awesome. effing time, I've been confusing Natural Born Killers with The Devil's Rejects. The oh, whole this whole time. That's pretty amazing. See, this is why this is why I'm here cuz yeah. you know. I own both, so we can we can watch both back to back. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll slip you some shrooms. <laughs> oh, that'd be horrible. Oh man, that'd be so bad. That'd Don't do so, that so to bad. me, please. I wouldn't do that to you, Joe. I, it's bad Most enough. I, I don't know what shrooms are. I have no idea where you'd get them. FBI oh listening. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what those are. Sorry, forgive me, <laughs> Joe. Just talking about stuff I don't know anything about. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Halloween. Good movie. 
Watch it every Halloween. Watch it every Halloween. We're watching it at the beginning of the new year. So just, yeah, right. I just watched it. Um, yeah. And what better I'll, way? I'll probably watch it uh, several more times. This See year. you in ten months, Lori. Right. Yes. Um. Anyways, so well, that was fun. A little conversation. Yeah. I'm glad that you liked Halloween. Yeah, I liked it. It's a very good movie. It's a very good film. It was a good one to start with. It was a good one to start with. Yeah. Like, if we look at the the journey overall, my horror journey, Mm -hmm. Mr. Sherpa, um, if we look at a journey overall, it was a great one to start with. And um, I, I, I encourage you that if you are listening to this for the first time, um, and you, ha- or if you like many of our listeners have been listening to us from day one, um, <laughs> you know, Which if you you have someone who, you. yes, we love you. Thank you. Um, if you have someone who has never seen like a horror movie, this is a good, this is a good one to start out with. Um, I encourage, you know, as someone who, you know, lost his virginity, um, to horror, <laughs> I, I think that this is a good one. Watch it on Halloween. Um, you know, we have, yeah, we have a, we have that coming up. So in 10 months and yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah. Awesome. There's Yay. Halloween. Yay. Halloween. Yay. Halloween. Halloween. Um, yeah, it's a great, it's so good. So much that we could really say about it. And we have, we've spent an hour plus talking about it. Uh, so Joshua, up- do you think they watch Halloween in Cameroon? Maybe. Halloween. Calibre- Cameroon. Okay, I don't it. know. We'd have to ask RuPaul and Bebe Sahara Benet <laughs> or whatever her name was. Cover girl. Cover girl. Uh, coming up, we have Poltergeist and the Amityville Horror. Yay, the very devil. Exciting. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, no, that'd be after because first would be Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. So, first, we're going to do a little stop in the 80s and 82 and do Poltergeist. Um, kind of a little out of order with the Amityville Horror because that was made in '79, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna do that too. We're gonna spend a couple weeks talking about haunted houses, haunted horror. Uh, Amityville will be fun because it's also based on a real life murder, so that's a good time. Yeah, true true crime in there. Uh, yeah, so it's gonna be an exciting couple of weeks with Fright School. So, yeah. thank you for joining us as always. Yes, thank you. And again, happy y- have a year. Filled with fear. Right. (laughs) (laughs) See you next time. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.